0: Hello, hello, hey up, what's up, what's good, que cosa succede, ni hao, privet, welcome to the Any Given Runway show, I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green, Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual and artistic people in the world, everyone has a story, each person a scholar, we have a brilliant show for today with a guest who is the embodiment of a leader, Brian Tosh, Chantosh joins the show. Brian is a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, where he served for over 20 years and was ultimately awarded the prestigious Navy Cross for Extraordinary Heroism. Brian has also been awarded two Bronze Stars with Valor, the Meritorious Service Medal, and multiple Combat Action Ribbons and Personal Awards. His unit's 2004 assault into Fallujah was the focus of the Fox News documentary Breaking Point, Company of Heroes. Tosh is a current United States Congressional Medal of Honor nominee. Tosh found a Crooked Butterfly Ranch where he designs custom experiential learning opportunities for clients looking to test their minds, bodies, and spirits. He also designs leadership workshops that challenge everyday paradigms that can limit potential. On the Crooked Butterfly podcast, you can also hear Tosh's intimate and self-reflective perspectives on everyday life. Tosh is someone who lives for new challenges and opportunities to test his might, and during his downtime, he competes in some of the world's most challenging ultra-endurance events, including Moab 240, Tahoe 200, Primal Quest, Arrowhead 135, and the 24-hour isolation challenge. He's also mountain biked the Continental Divide from Canada to Mexico in 27 days. Tosh is the president and executive director of the Big Fish Foundation, which helps support veterans' transition to civilian lives while prehabbing against suicide. He holds a mechanical engineering degree from the Rochester Institute of Technology and a master's in leadership education from the University of Maryland. On today's episode, Tosh chats about what heroism means to him and how tenacity and toughness has played a role in his life. Brian also reflects on the importance of self awareness, how he developed it, and also how it became a key component of his perseverance through the last year. And finally, Tosh and I chat about his Crooked Butterfly Ranch and the learning opportunities that he develops for his clients and how he makes sure that there are client-specific challenges. Just an outstanding conversation with Brian. Totally galvanized me. He's one of those guys who, afterwards, I felt like I had to knock out 100 push-ups or so just because I was that fired up or ready to go for a long run. I admire his outlook on life, but I'm also enamored by his dedication to improve himself. And it's the endurance event, and, and honestly, it's the self awareness that has allowed him continually, like he says, to better himself little by little. And I think it's a tremendous characteristic for anyone to have. Enjoyed my conversation with Tosh. Super excited to see what's next for him. I'll throw if you guys to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on Brian Tosh Chantosh, and let's learn. Your military career is incredibly decorated. For you, what does it mean to be called a hero? And then, how do you define heroism?
1: I don't think I don't like the word hero. Mm-hmm. I think it's used just way too loosely in the world these days. Everybody's a hero. You do, it. And, you know, if everything's if everything's something, then nothing's anything. It, exactly. To 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 pull from that saying, you know, and people can people do heroic things, people do brave things, um, whether it's because they were active in in making the decisions to do them, and sometimes events happen to them and they respond and they get lucky. Uh, I think the the latter is my case um, uh, I, 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 I will take responsibility for, I think I'm, I'm fairly talented. I think I'm fairly brave. I think I'm pretty, uh, resilient. Uh, I loved, I loved the Marines that I served with. I was surrounded by phenomenal men, men and women, but, but, you know, in, in, uh, infantry community, we were all men back then. And, um, you know, you don't do any, and do anything by myself, you know, this, uh, the internet says, oh, single-handedly killed 20 people. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe I killed 20 or 30 or 40 people, um, but it wasn't single-handedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, Armin McCormick was with me, Robert Kerman, Thomas Franklin, Concordy. We were all part of a vehicle team in that vehicle at the time. And, and and not even to mention the rest of the larger unit that we were with you know our our cap platoon that we were we that that i was the platoon commander for the tanks that were with us the battalion that was with us it's like you're not alone
0: yeah
1: i wasn't alone some people that you read citations yeah maybe they, they acted alone um but that wasn't my case you know and i i think if 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 i was absent any of the personalities that were in my immediate vicinity I probably would be the, the case study of, of that dumb Lieutenant of over, over zealous or eager or something. And uh, the case, the case study for what not to do, because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. So uh, I, I just think it's important to share something that I personally need to remind myself day in and day out. You know, you get, you get saturated with the rest of the world and feeding your ego and you try to you, the human tendency is to work itself, to find you in in an audience of an echo chamber that reinforces your own bullshit. And, and I just see these individuals, especially in that leadership space that I'm in right now, right. In a military leadership space that want to tell their war story and, and just surrounded by people that, yeah, you're just full of shit. You're overselling yeah. yourself. And I, I just want to refuse that in my life for me because um it is, it is that important, uh, so anyways uh, back to your question define heroism and it's just doing something it's just doing something in the face of uh, of an event that would not normally be con- human i think that's what what heroism really is right it's it's in in doing it for a cause whether it's for yourself or for others you know but something greater right for a belief set or to, to save your brother and sister and your right and your left or something like that. That's it. That's heroism. And yeah. people do heroic things all the time. Do I think giving a $20 bill to a stranger on the street is heroic? Probably not, but some people might consider that heroic. And there's probably context. Context is king too. Yeah. You know, if, if that person that gave the $20 is an eight year old uh, little girl who's saved money for, five years and that's all she has is $20. She gave it to a homeless person. Like, yeah, that's a pretty heroic deed for that little yeah. girl, you know, but the context means something. Um, and no insult to her or anybody else, but does that make her a hero? You know, uh, what is a hero? I, I don't like being called a hero. I was a, a Marine that did my job. I did my job well. Uh, I take a lot of personal pride in being professional and competent, And a good human being, I'll I'll take responsibility for that, but I'm not going to take responsibility for circumstances happening to me and, um, the luxury of some, some luck and good fortune. You know, I don't, who's a hero, you know, I don't, I don't know who the hero is, Neil Armstrong, probably a hero, you know, pioneering outer space. I would call that probably a hero, um, Martin Luther King, for sure, a hero. Some people that really spend a, commit a life and doing something magnificent. That's just that's just one of a couple hundred thousand dudes on a battlefield running around trying to stay alive, you know, yeah. so.
0: Well, I love your perspective, especially you mentioned that sometimes doing heroic things, sometimes you planned it and sometimes it was thrown at you. It makes me think of the, the Shakespeare quote that some men are born great and some men have greatness thrust upon them. And sometimes that just, uh, like you said, it's the context. And I, I respect that. I, I love that a lot. Ah, uh, tenacity and toughness—two words frequently used to describe you. Do you feel that these are natural characteristics of you, or something that you grew into and actually learned how to be tenacious and tough?
1: Yeah, tenacious, toughness, grit, resilience—all these uh, words de jour these days. You know, and everybody <laughs> puts their definitions, and I'm still learning about them. And yeah. and I'm presented different things, and uh, I don't. I don't think I was naturally disposed to be that way. I think events in our life kind of condition us to be a little bit more resilient um into weather things and have a toughness. Uh, it definitely became a, a a mindset of mine that was on the forefront of thought uh, as I gained responsibility, um, burden of command in, in in the Marine Corps and when I wanted to it, it just yeah, some experiences overseas, right? The consequences happen to you, or not consequences happen to you, but events happen to you, and you have to either survive or not survive, and, and it, you survive them, and, and it's like, oh, wow, like I need to up my game so that the next time somebody throws something at me, I can survive that, and I can survive mm-hmm. that, and not only that, but have some wherewithal to make decisions and command so that other people can survive as well, And and then I just – whether I was addicted to it or intoxicated by it, I just I really like putting myself into exceptionally challenging situations so that I can further understand who I am and how I'm going to respond. And uh, in doing that, two, two things happen. I build skills and capabilities to be able to weather the next unknown or unknowable or uncertainty or extreme event, um, I, I've just become stronger. Right. But then also I'm really big into self-awareness right now. And a lot of people put themselves in situations and it's like, Hey, you shouldn't be putting yourself in that situation because now you're jeopardizing or compromising other people. Exactly. Um, and so I want to have a clear assessment of who I am today not who I was 10 years ago not who I could be two years from now it's like what are my capabilities and limitations right now in the moment so if an opportunity presents I don't foolishly choose to undertake that Mm -hmm. endeavor and jeopardize myself or others I think there's a maturity and a wisdom there that is only only sort of gleaned over time and experience and um, just very self-reflective in my life these days and it's I also don't want to be I don't want to be the person that's full of shit. Uh, I have a real strong aversion to people that are just full of shit. And i surrounded with them every day. It's a function of social media, marketing, PR, you know. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be authentic and genuine and kind. Um, I've set some, some goals for myself every day, like to just work towards that. You know, I want to be a better person. I want to be authentic. You know, just so that tenacity and toughness, I'm rambling on, on, on your question. It's like, that's part of me trying to strive to be honest with myself so that I can be honest with others and be appreciated for who I am, not who they think I am or who I want them to think I am because I'm managing and manipulating
0: perceptions. Yeah. Well, I admire the authenticity because it kind of goes back to the other two questions we're talking about, about oftentimes you see heroism being thrown out there as a word to describe people. And that's where the the lack of authenticity happens if people are just throwing that word everywhere. And so I admire that. Self-awareness for me was a big part of the last year. And it sounds like it is for you, not just over the last year, but in your life. So how did self-awareness and your military background help you for all the hurdles and challenges that we've been facing over the last year?
1: how did my self-awareness help me for these, these hurdles and challenges in the last, last year? Um, You know, I, I might, it might sound really weird. It might be a stretch, but it's, it's honest. It's uh, I, I, I've met my worst version of myself Um, about eight years ago or so. I just didn't really like who I was. Uh, And it was just like a boom. And it's like, you've been fooling yourself for all this time fooling others. And I just was really disgusted with things that I've done things that I've chosen to do things. That I didn't have any choice, but I had to do. And, and I just made a commitment to be, to never be that person again. And um, to know that the every day, if I'm a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, it further distanced me from that person so that if I have a relapse or I make a mistake or something happens and I have to, and I regress a little, I'm still far enough away from that person who I used to be. And, And every day I'm just trying to be better and better and better. And through that, you have to have an honest conversation with yourself of who you are. And you have to have a conversation with who do you want to be. And you got to look at that, the dissonance between the two that, that contrast and then make a conscious decision to try to close that gap. Who, who you want to be? What are your, what do you believe in? Do you believe in this and are you who you are or you just believe because of who you are and, and so that's really helped me stay grounded and not fall into the trap of, of this or that or the influence. And, and it allows me to be better in control of my emotions and my thoughts. And um, so this self-awareness piece, it doesn't allow me to get – I believe this isn't a political – uh, podcast and I, I don't share political views. It doesn't matter really, but I do believe that we are being manipulated as a people by forces out there. And the media is the arm of those, that, that manipulation and the information that we're given. It's suspect. You know, I don't, I don't know whether I'm being told the truth or not told the truth. I don't want to believe in stuff. And so I think that people are incited by a manipulative media stream, whatever, whatever that platform is, that's just inundating people with information, information, information. I mean, you've, you've watched the social dilemma, I'm sure. um, And it's like, wow. It's like, yeah, Hey, and it's, it's everywhere, whether it's through commercials, you know, advertisements, colors that we see decisions. And so this, this process of recognizing and wanting to be very, very self-aware and have control of my emotions allows me not to be, um, to fall into the trap of responding the way that yeah. maybe they want you to respond. I want to be in control of what I think and how I think um, in those processes rather than just, Oh, well I'm going to believe this and I'm just going to believe that. And then you don't really have a, it's, it's just inconsistent with if you understand what you believe in and you can recognize who you are and the actions that you're doing. And if there's a conflict there, You know, because you're so intimate in what you believe and why you believe it instead of just walking like a zombie in the world these days. So that is a bunch of babble right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it goes back, like you said, the self-awareness is key. I think it is a skill and it takes time to learn to be aware so that you aren't easily strayed at the next kind of flashing object or follow the next trend. Uh, You're a competitive endurance athlete. You mentioned earlier that you love seeking out things to test yourself, maybe because you're addicted to it, but also just because you love knowing that you can be better. Of your many events, which are the results that make you the most proud? And then which of those tested you the most mentally?
1: Yeah, well, without a doubt, the Arrowhead 135 is yeah. my uh, my biggest, was my biggest nemesis. It, it chewed me up, spit me out two years in a row. I failed. I quit. Never quit anything before in my life. Mentally beat. It wasn't so much physically, it just I didn't have sound control of what's going on upstairs. And I, I quit. The following year i went again and i was crushing the course dominating you know i was doing really really well and when you when we say competitive i don't know if i'm competitive i'm competitive against the course maybe not other people
0: and uh, yourself and you're competitive on yourself too
1: oh, 100% 100% <laughs> i always want to beat i always want to try to beat the best version of myself every any given day um and i had convinced myself i just mentally broke down and through you know sleep deprivation makes cowards of all of us. Right. And so uh, I just started moving goalposts and convinced myself that, Hey, I did it. I accomplished what I came here to do. I'm not broken. I can be out of my depression now because I quit last year and I'm crushing it. And look at me, I'm sound state of mind. and feel like I, could I could keep going. I just started to, my mind's mind started to spin and I walked off the course. I convinced myself that it would be cool for me to go to the finish line with, with Nicole and, hang out and spend some time with her because we're reconnecting in our relationship that was strained and support the finish line. And I've never been able, I never, I've never had a opportunity. Well, not an opportunity, but I've never chosen to support the race. I'd always wanted to be a racer and mm-hmm. you just start to build all these reasons why you should just walk up. And as soon as I walked off the course, 10, 15 minutes later, I was devastated. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just fell for that. And so I, Uh, I went back a couple of years after that, two years after that and finished the course. And then I went back another year after that and wanted to make sure that it wasn't a fluke and beat my time by like another six and a half hours. And so I think that race there um, mentally and not because of the pain or the hardship. I mean, that's there right in, in the cold, you know, you're in Northern Minnesota on the historical coldest week of the year negative 20 degrees you typically see at night and you know all of those things affecting you but it was it's because you're on this lonely course you don't see anybody else for hours and hours and hours if you're tackling the course the way it's designed to be tackled and you're just by yourself and your own thoughts and your own demons and uh, mentally that was hard Uh, but the Arrowhead 135 is phenomenal hardest race probably that I had done until i I've experienced a few times and then start to figure it out and learn, you know, but, um, uh, there's a handful of, of stuff, you know, really proud of, um, uh, world championships down in uh, Australia for adventure racing and God Zone down in New Zealand for, for finishing that course twice. Um, both of those courses, actually those are two courses, but, um, uh, you know, I did an isolation challenge in a conix box in Tahoe. Joe mm-hmm. DeSena was Spartan was, generous enough to, to host us there and went in a conics box and turned off all artificial stimulation and feedback and wow. motivation. And you just locked in there for 24 hours. I was really excited about that. Not so much because of the performance, which I did well, but it was because I had, I had never done anything like that, but I had cracked the code on what to do based off of other experiences. And, and, and I was able to validate like a little bit of my philosophy and thoughts on, on how to do things and um, came out of there like really happy that, yeah, I had, I had figured that puzzle out before I'd being introduced the puzzle. Um, so that was a big win for me. Um, mountain bike in the continental divide. We, we went from Canada to Mexico. Uh, one of my former XOs had some, had some tours in Afghanistan and he wanted to reconnect with me and just spend some time and heal. So he's like, Hey, would you go on an adventure with me? I was like, yeah, whatever you want to do. He's like, well, we're going to mountain bike to kind of I'm like, all right. Like a week before we were scheduled to go ahead and heard from him for six months or so. He's like, you still doing this? <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, yeah, let's go show up <laughs> at the house. We'll drive up there. And so we, we did that 2,780 something miles in 27 days. So that was a cool perseverance test. But yeah, I did a few of those. I'm pretty, I'm, I like the, I like those events. Yeah, it sounds like, oh my God, these are so huge. And it's not like you just do one of those events just out of the blue. It's years of working up, you know, small steps, small steps, making it bigger, making it bigger as you build skills and capabilities and learn more about yourself. And then it allows you to pick and choose another one that continues to challenge you. I'm, um, uh, kind of person that likes to i don't want to dominate a triathlon do a triathlon compete do well maybe do it again do a little bit better then what's the next thing yeah um i want to be good at a lot of things That's just my style other people they just are going to be triathletes and continually try to improve their times and that's what wires them or drives them so i like to just experience many different things because i think i can build a, a robust talent set round myself out a little bit and all these rough edges that I have, you know.
0: I am one and the same on that. As many different things as possible. Crooked Butterfly Ranch. At the ranch, you design custom learning opportunities for clients looking to test their minds, their bodies, and their spirits. So, what are some of the types of activities that guests experience? And then what was the motivation to create these workshops?
1: Yeah, I, uh, let's start with the motivation. I, I, I got out of the Marine Corps, retired, didn't really know what I was doing. I had the luxury to to do a transition and take my time and figure out what I was going to do. Um I didn't have to just like hurry to jump into anything. Uh, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who I was for sure absent of this this military construct and here I am now and I'm like, well what do you really believe now that you're on your own to believe what you want to and not have to be a certain thing and so I wrestled with that for a few years. And uh I was approached to do a TV show and I did that and that put me in touch with somebody else at um, power home remodel, big, big company out on the East coast, I guess they're across the nation now. And they asked me to put on a leadership event for them at Vail. I was like, well, 220 people, I guess I'll I'll do it. You know, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. I'm going to call some buddies. We're going to, we're going to design it. And then I enjoyed it. And it was very successful and I got a lot of really good feedback and, uh, I was like, well, maybe, maybe that's what I need to do is just kind of share, create experiential learning opportunities for other people, um, to, to, for, for twofold, it creates an opportunity, it creates a, a scenario or a setting or conditions for me to be able to transfer thoughts and ideas to people through activities. Um, and you're inspired that way. It allows you to have a, a, a intimate experience with individuals shared common experience and then it gives them a, a playground to practice and put into application some of the things that you're saying if you, if you create the, the experience correctly right and I just enjoyed that and it just kind of took off from there um through through a network of people in different social circles and come hey Tosh design that for me and would you work with me would you build a, do something for our team and it just built some traction and so I started uh, I started that company. So you come up to the ranch or not, or I travel to, to wherever. And I work with, uh, I work with a potential client beforehand to try to figure out what it is they're looking for. Cause sometimes they just don't have the vocabulary to express what they really need and they're expressing what they want or they think they need. And so I work with them for a few interactions to, to really figure out what they're looking for. And then <laughs> We put, we onboard some ideas and then I'll create an opportunity that's uniquely designed for them and their interests instead of uh, having this curriculum and then you come to me and then it's, because that's a function of me just wanting to, you, me, that's just a function of me wanting to deliver my bullshit to you. And that's not what I want. Uh, I want you to have something that you need and for me to try to figure out what it is I can give you to fill and satisfy your need. And so... We've had retreats up here where you come and you camp for a couple of days and we hang out in tents and we go do some hiking. We can do some team building activities. I've had athletes come up here and just kind of work them out to get into their, their mental space to share what I have in mind. I really enjoy working with young, young adults you know, these, these young teenagers into um, kind of like a big brother mentor style camp. I just had two young men up here last week for five days and we just, they just need an adult to show that they have a hundred percent interest in them and they value them and and to teach them things, you know, they got the chainsaw out, they're driving the four wheeler, we're tracking animals, we're setting up trail cams, we're learning how to build a fire, we're cooking on a fire, just simple stuff that create opportunities for a transfer of of love or care and attention or or mature ideas to help grow them and groom them. So I really enjoy that. Um, That's some some of the stuff that we do up here. We do some diesel days, which are physical events. Um, but the physical event is really just a, a vehicle to be able to deliver uh, some some intellectual property that we're, we're designing and trademarking called checking in with the left hand. And those are five specific thought patterns and processes that I've reflected on that I've, that I've used all the time in the past through whether it's military endeavors or adventure racing or life and relationships or whatever it is. And, answering podcast questions and interview questions and, and my own study for reflections. Like, wow, I keep doing this yeah. and I keep doing that. And I found a pattern. And so we created a checking in with the left hand to get people through hardship, stress, duress, to facilitate success. Um, and I just kind of packaged those up. We use the, we use the diesel day physical event in order to fatigue and set conditions for them to have to use those to build some sort of repetitive pattern and practical application and and checking in with these things. And then the confidence that, wow, it actually does work. And then when they go home, I usually get a bunch of feedback two weeks, three weeks later out of the blue. It's like, Oh my God, I just use this at work. And I just use that concept with my wife or my son or, you know, and it's like, and I'm like, yeah, these, these skills that I'm teaching you in a, because we're doing a physical event are a hundred percent transferable and even more valuable for you and your, everyday life, whether it's profession, family, you know,
0: whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. I think anytime you can take applicable things like that and use them in the real world, that's fantastic. Another aspect of Crooked Butterfly is the podcast. So what is the premise and what can listeners expect from the show?
1: Oh man, I started out the podcast. uh, I'm on my third, beginning my third season. So a little over two years ago, Uh, Mo and John from Beyond the Whiteboard, they've always just been really big advocates for me. I've I've had a relationship with them and they like how I think. And they've been always pushing me to like, hey, you need to get your word out there. You need to write a book or you need to do this or you need to do that. And they came up with an idea of, hey, why don't you just do a podcast and just talk and share your thoughts with the world? And I'm like, yeah, well, who am I, man? Who am I to share my thoughts? There's a million people out there. And they're like, no, but we believe in you. And we know that other people will. And whether it's 50 people or 50,000 people, it doesn't matter. Um, The people that you're going to bring into your fold or the people that you can influence and they have the like mind and and that's good. But we want to amplify your voice. So they bought me some podcast equipment. And um, I just started recording my thoughts. Initially, it started out as a way. I'm a long distance father through a divorced relationship Um, and you want to impart fatherly lessons to your children. And, you know, my relationship with my ex-wife is not good. It's not healthy, um, especially for the children. You do your best, but it's just a, it's a broken um, product. And so it's like, well, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk on this podcast from an avenue of hopefully my children are going to listen someday. Or if they do end up listening, They're going to like, wow, dad's sharing a message with me, helping me think, you know, instead of because, you know, the public school system's broken, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you're at. Right. Mm -hmm. Teachers are implanting in our children's minds what to think and not how to think. And they're giving them their viewpoints and their belief system hasn't been fully developed yet. Right, and so I wanted to at least be a voice to do that in the absence of me being in their lives and in in the home front every single day. And it just turned into uh, musings on things that are bothering me, what's going on in my mind, how am I processing? You asked earlier about how do I, how do I get by the world these days, especially this last year. And you know, every week usually something's on my mind, and I'm struggling with it, and it's bouncing around in my head. And what I do on the podcast is just just me talking to myself, yeah. trying to figure things out and allowing other people to eavesdrop on a, an internal dialogue that I might be having uh, and to help them through a potentially way to think about things, to process things instead of telling them what to think or what I believe. I mean, there's a few rants in there from week to week, but um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm not forcing it. Uh, and I just, yeah, it's just a way to eavesdrop on what's going on in my head from day to day
0: what's the big fish foundation and why is that important to you
1: uh, yes the big fish foundation is exceptionally important to me consumes majority of my time these days uh it's a non that i had started last year um bill henniger rogue fitness guy owner of rogue fitness he's been pushing me to to do something and he's he's, he's an amazing human being The way he thinks and he's a veteran and uh he's like you should do this and you should do that and but he doesn't push or pressure. And finally, he just says it in a certain way. It's like, you know what? I'm going to start a nonprofit. because I got these beliefs on how to help some veterans through their their problems through transition or their, their their stresses that they're dealing with because of some sort of trauma or experience or, or you know, to be honest, like their own personal bullshit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes our own personal bullshit is our largest form of stress on our own lives. and we I don't agree, know it. yeah. So um, I started a nonprofit. I have an exceptional board that that helps me, keeps me um, accountable and we help veterans and it's not a giveaway. It's not a giveaway nonprofit. It's a, uh, a, don't come to me with your, I have a saying, don't come to me with your hands out, come to me with your gloves on. Yeah. And so we're, we're not helping charity cases there's other programs out there for that. And, and we're also we're a non-clinical and I'm just sharing my belief set, which has allowed me because I struggled for, you know, about three years ago, I kind of started crashing really hard three and a half years ago. Um, trying to wrestle with experiences that I've had. I've put them away in a box. And then all of a sudden it's like, if you don't take them out of the box on your own terms, eventually they're going to start crawling out. And these things started to crawl out. And I, I was, I was blessed to have had an interaction with a, uh, retired army sergeant major and um, I just broke down in his office and he really helped me say, Hey, like, it's time for you to sort your shit out. Mm-hmm. So I started sorting it out and that kind of led me to start in the big fish foundation because I want to help veterans unpack their box on their terms instead of keeping it in there and, and having it manifest into something that it doesn't need to be. I want to reduce the stigma that veterans are needy, that they're whiny entitled they're broken um, but I also want to educate the veterans to stop reinforcing that narrative for themselves. Uh, there's a lot of veterans that need help, want help, but they don't want to have that stigma or that classification of the bullshit veteran who's full of shit, who's asking for handouts. And so that's what we do. We, we you come to me with your gloves on, ready to do some work invest in yourself invest in others and we're gonna put you through some stuff we're gonna we got these healing retreats we got these educational um webinars we do um, just dude camps we trying to reinforce a sense of accountability um to each other to our community but also back to our to our communities and um Creating, creating that tribe again because that's, that's really, if I wanted to be short about it, that's what's missing when you, when you exit the military. You've lost your tribe. Yeah. You, you kind of self-excommunicate because you get out of the military. And you maybe you have a few here, a few there, but you're back in Podunk hometown somewhere and your best friends are overseas or your best friends are blown up or your best friends are in another Podunk town. And you lose connectivity with them. You lose accountability to each other. And then you lose your way. And so we're trying to do that uh, with our with our foundation. Get a lot of cool exciting things happening.
0: Not with your hands out with your gloves on. it makes me think of give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. So that's a great perspective. I ask every guest what their future goals projects plans are, but I'm incredibly excited to ask you because I know you're always thinking of something something big to do next. So what is what's next for you what are the goals projects plans for two thousand twenty one? And because of what you told me earlier, what's the unique goal you've got for 2022?
1: Yeah, I figured you're going to go there. (laughs) Uh, You know, I need to continue to build out the Big Fish Foundation. I need to continue to um, offer opportunities for veterans to self-select, to receive help. Um, I got to get the word out. Uh, We've got a lot of resources. We've got a lot of people that want to put their resources in this. Um, So that nonprofit is my number one goal to keep the momentum going and I'm, I'm relying on some, some infrastructure that I've created around myself to hold me accountable, to keep going and keep energizing. And, and it's selfish in a way, because it gives me purpose. Again, I feel, I feel alive. I feel like I have men and women under my charge again, that I'm responsible to. And so, um, that's, that's the number one thing. Um, we're working, we're working on, uh, a book personally trying to write a book. I just uh, I went into contract with somebody the other day and we're trying to uh, get some thoughts down. I don't want it to be a blow myself book and tell war stories. Cause that's not what it is. It's going to be about this checking in with the left hand. And I want to offer tools, five tools, really one tool, mm-hmm. a hand that has five, um, yeah. You know, processes that you could use to just be better at your life, take control, have have more self-authorship instead of, you know, responding to manipulations or events or stress. And so I want to get that going. I'm really excited for that. Uh, there's so many people in the space of whether it's self-help leadership, military specifically that are full of shit and they spout these things off. And it's like, I've heard that before. That's cute. Oh, look at, look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself and like, it doesn't fucking work. It's cute and it's neat. And or they're selling themselves because they're special forces or because of they have a medal and, and just like, you don't even practice what you preach. You're just a fucking walking advertisement. And uh, so it pisses me off. And It's like, okay, Tosh, like if you're going to complain that openly about it, then be the force for change that you, you see and do something. So I finally said, Hey, don't be, don't be, don't be your own, you know, echo chamber. Like do it your way. And if people like it, they like it, but at least do it your way and see how it works out. So we're going to write a book Uh, and it's not going to be a stroke yourself book. It's going to be something that's a practical tool that you can use to better your, every aspect of your life. Uh, personally, well, I guess that's kind of personally, but it's professionally. And, uh, my next big endeavor, um, I'm working on some shooting skills. Uh, I think my adventure racing skills are on point. I got to get some fitness back. I've been a little lazy here and there. Uh, I'm going to do holidays. It's okay challenge. with the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a little longer than the holidays. <laughs> it's been since the beginning of hunting season <laughs> last August. <laughs> Uh, but I'm in outdoor shape, you know, I'm not in fitness shape maybe, but I use my fitness to get as a, as a baseline to be able to do the things that I enjoy and it's the outdoors. So I know I'm in outdoor shape, um, but I could use some more fitness to get me in better outdoor shape. So, uh, the sniper adventure challenge with Dave Castro, we're going to partner up and we're going to try and crush a course, uh, this year. So I'm trying to practice up on some shooting skills. Cause I think it's a, it's a different event for me. You know, we talked earlier, like I like to do different. I don't want to just master a triathlon. I want to experience different style events. And this is kind of a neat thing. I enjoy shooting. I'm not particularly great at long range shooting. I hold my own with a carbine and and with a pistol, but it's definitely room for improvement. Uh, and it combines land navigation and some physical skills in the outdoors. That's, that's very similar reminiscent to maybe adventure racing. So we're going to, we're going to tackle that together. I'm excited for that and trying to stretch my margins of experience out. And then the next year, 2022, we're going to um, undertake the Talisker whiskey Atlantic challenge and row across the Atlantic ocean. And, uh, as a team, uh, I'm, I'm on a team with uh, three seals. It's pretty cool. One of is a super close friend of mine, and um, we're gonna do that. And it set this lofty goal to try to break the world record. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's a foolish goal, but like, uh, think big, think big, and do big things. And so um, this this gentleman quoted somebody. Uh, Clint Bruce said a quote from somebody, and it's like make make no make little plans for they lack the magic to stir men's souls and so like that makes sense to us let's go and let's put all our eggs in the basket and see if we can break this world record and um we're going to do it for charity purposes uh that race. It's not about ourselves. I mean, as much as it is, you know, I, I can't, I can't lie. I mean, we're we're doing something that's going to be pretty epic. Uh, less than 400 people have, have rode across the Atlantic Ocean, as you know, because you, you told me you had a friend that uh, accomplished it, um, guest on your podcast. Uh, but what we want to do is invite a larger collaborative effort to be part of the team to share in a success. So while maybe there are only four people in the in the rowing shell, there's a hundred people that are on the team that are invested. Whether it's you know training or production or marketing or media or fundraising or whatever. So we want to have a collaborative team. Um, and so while we cross the finish line in the shell itself, the entire team wins. Yeah. Um, we want to get that team as robust as possible to represent walks of life, and then allow them to decide where our fundraising efforts go mm-hmm. and what we're going to do is we're going to look for programs that help America and instead of doing you know no, no offense against the rest of the world you know but like hey we don't we're veterans yeah. we've served our country overseas um, for the benefit of other countries and our own American interests obviously right Oh, but but ultimately, definitely, veterans believe like, hey, there's a function of right and wrong in the world, and military is a tool government uses to correct wrongs. And uh, we've lost a lot of a lot of brothers and sisters overseas fighting for other countries, American interests in other soils. And what we're going to do now is we're going to retell stories of veterans. So we'll dedicate legs of the race every um, term of hours or miles and we'll dedicate to remembering and reminding America and reliving and retelling that individual's story and sacrifice. So maybe every six hours for 28 days, there's a new veteran, a new story. And we invite that family to be part of the the chunk of time that we're dedicating it towards to, um, to just remember, remember that sacrifice and then invigorate veterans in America because that's the sense of purpose that's lost right it 's uh, service, and while w- the service was tied to our military branch or our specialty, our sense of service back to our country is still that strong I mean that's the military thing that whether you went into the military with that thought or whether it was you, you helped gain that appreciation through your time in the military. but so we'll we'll do our fundraising efforts towards programs that veterans are motivated towards to fixing and correcting. Wrongs in America. And whether that's hunger or poverty or racial issues or housing issues or health issues, doesn't matter. But we're going to, we want to use American veterans to reinvest and correct some of the wrongs or the less than rights on American soil. So I think we have a good message. We just got to clean up my babble and figure (laughs) out how to message that correctly to the world and uh, get people to uh, get on board.
0: We've got time to to tighten it up. So we got time on that one. So I love it. But you got, you got me energized. You got me fired up. I'm excited for your next couple of years with the book, seeing the Big Fish Foundation and everything. And then of course, the big endeavor in 2022. I'm excited. I'll be following along, but how can everyone else, how can they follow along and stay up to date? Um,
1: You know, I'm on, I'm on social medias. I've, uh, I'm the Instagrams, uh, Butterfly. My business is uh, Crooked Butterfly, and the nonprofit is Big Fish underscore Foundation. You just hit those up on Instagram. It gives you good, good tools to um, see what's going on. I'm not a prolific poster, so I, I like to post and post things of value instead of just oversaturate people's feeds. Um, you can find me on the podcast, Crooked Butterfly Podcast. Uh, our website crookedbutterfly.com and um bigfishfoundation.org and uh, or i'm on facebook i don't really follow the facebook but you know i tell everybody all the time just reach out to me dm me on instagram or shoot me an email and uh, shoot me a text if you got my phone number i don't, I don't know i don't care but I, I try to respond and i do i i'm, I'm like that 99 percent of um uh, responding eventually, you know, sometimes there's a couple day lag, but to everybody that reaches out that that has a genuine interest in, in a, in a conversation or, or something, you know, and uh, I appreciate everybody just saying, Hey, Tosh, good luck, or Hey, rock on. Um, but people genuinely reach out because they want to connect. I, I spend the time and I give the courtesy that, that I would like afforded. So I, I, I return that in favor ahead of time.
0: Very cool. Well, Tosh, I'm excited. I'm excited to follow along.
1: I like it, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. Cool, Tosh, you're the best. I know we'll talk again, but thanks for today. Yeah, bless you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Tosh. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram and be on the lookout for some of his many endurance events and keep an eye out for that 2022 endeavor across the Atlantic. I'll be supporting you every step of the way, Tosh. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento.